And welcome to Sunday Coffee here on a nice Sunday morning here in downtown Starville, here in the Farm Bureau studios. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Charlie, hey, great basketball win on Friday night. I thought we taught basketball today. How about – what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think – and somebody <laughs> told me yesterday, we, we do not talk enough basketball. This is probably the day. Man, you look back at Friday night. Let's dissect it <laughs> half by half. Okay, right, I'll dissect it for you real easily, real quickly. <laughs> that was one of the worst basketball games. Missouri's terrible. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. The only danger in the building was that our backboard was going to get broken by the bricks they were throwing at it. I was wondering about halfway through the first half if we had the extra goals underneath (laughs) because somebody's about to break something if we had some more basketballs because they definitely had to air them up for the second half. I guess, uh, yeah, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. Their customer service is fantastic. Home, life, anything you need. From an insurance agent, they've got great agents throughout every part of Mississippi, and that's Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. All right, Charlie, baseball this weekend. We've been counting down the days, and we get to this point, and Long Beach State on Friday wins 3 to nothing. They score some runs late, one run in the seventh on a home run, two runs in the eighth inning. They win 3 nothing, and then yesterday – just kind of poured it on late. They took an 8-3 lead early in the fourth inning, kind of coasted their way to a 13-3 win. What are your first thoughts and observations? I think overall, I, I do agree with the people who were saying it's two games, settle down, really good opponent, etc. But one of the things that I want to see answered today, and I want to see it maybe not answered today, but start to get some hints on today, We know who our leader on the mound is right now, right? That's Landon Sims. Yeah, no doubt. So now what I want to find out is who's our our guy in the field? Who is going – it's very difficult when you lose big-time leaders for that next group who hasn't had to lead to kind of sort itself out. It's even more difficult when those guys are kind of quiet guys. But I'll be honest with you. I I would like to see a team today that kind of channels their inner Kendall Graveman. Really, where are the wristbands, WWKD, what would Kendall do? What would Kendall do? And I tell you what Kendall would do, he'd buzz the tower once or twice on a few of these guys. I'm not advocating throwing at people, but, you know, maybe hit a guy or two. But the the point of it is this. Long Beach State, their nickname, the Dirtbags, and that that was an unofficial nickname for a while. That's what they call themselves. That's the real thing. And it's it's more – got to understand what these guys – it's not like they're the Eagles. You know, it's not like they're the Monarchs or the Cardinal. They're the dirtbags, and they embrace that. When we talked to Pat Casey, he talked about recruiting guys that fit what you are. They recruit guys. You can hate Mario. You can hate these guys for the way they play. But, man, that's who they are. And right now they've come in and basically said, we're dirtbags. And what that means is we're going to get dirty. We're going to play hard. We're going to get in your face. And right now, I want to see us, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, be some Bulldogs back. Well, and that's what kind of got them in trouble as far as Long Beach State. This is a program who has not been to the College World Series since 1998. And when Eric Valenzuela came in and he talked about, hey, if there's anybody that's a dirtbag, even though I didn't play here, I'm, the, I'm your guy. 
My dad trains Olympic boxers, okay? And he's brought that mantra back. I mean, they wear it on the sleeve. And to be honest with you, that's probably one of the reasons they took a step back is they may not have embraced it enough. But now, let me tell you, they embrace it. This ain't Tulane who just runs their mouth in a dugout. I mean, they play hard. And I go back to to what you just said, Charlie. And, hey, I'm not advocating anything as far as any kind of bench-clearing brawls. But let me tell you this. In the second inning the other day when Mario hit that pop-up, and he leans in and just bulldozes Luke Hancock. Hey, we said it on the air. Hey, you're better than that. And then yesterday, you know, you you buzzed the tower a little bit with the fastball to Mario, or was that Friday too? That was that was yesterday. No, then that was a three-two pitch. It was a three-two pitch. It was. I mean, you're not going to throw at somebody on a three-two pitch at all. What was Mario doing? <laughs> Giving it right back to the pitcher. He gave it right back to the pitcher. The umpire came in, got in, got in, and I know a lot of folks don't like that. But let me tell you this, like you just said, Charlie, they've come out and said, hey, we're coming at you. And you kind of wonder, you know, who that alpha dog is. You kind of wonder, you know, if, if they saw early on that, hey, we may can get to these guys a little bit. And you kind of wonder if that would change or if that would have changed if, you know, Chris Lamonis came out and, boy, he was hot. But you kind of wonder if, you know. Well, look, I'll just say it. Say it. If we went back a year ago. The umpires would have been doing exactly what they did with the Long Beach dugout, was pushing a bunch of guys back in, including one who made it all the way to first base. But there have been another guy trying to stop Tanner Allen from coming at their dugout. Sometimes I am not at all an advocate of brawls, bench clear. That's not my style. I'm not an advocate of throwing at people. But now and then you just got to let them know you're there. And I think right now what we're seeing is a team who's letting us know we're there. Yep. And it's time that – uh, coming today, I think what I mean more than this is more than physical action. What I really mean is kind of a mindset. I, I look back at Kendall, and you said you brought Kendall Grayman into the factor. And, you know, Kendall, in the Sunday game against LSU, if you look back to 2013, first two days, they'd hit some home runs. They had with Mason Katz was a guy. He had three home runs in, in two days. And he'd had pinpoint control in the first inning, and he kind of buzzed the tower there in the second inning against Mason Katz. Didn't hit him. And like I said, hey, I'm not advocating throwing at guys or buzzing the tower, things of that nature. But after it was over, and of course it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, and he, you know, after the game was over, I said, hey, man, it's kind of amazing how he kind of lost control after that first pitch. And he says, you know what? He said, everybody's going crazy in the other dugout. He said, but I did that for my dugout. I did that for our guys. I wanted our guys to see – that we're here today to get after it. And so that mentality is kind of what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's for that third-base dugout more than it's for the first-base dugout. No, absolutely. And But let, let's move past for a moment kind of the makeup. You don't know what always goes through people's minds. So I'm not – this is not piling on at all. No, no, no not at all. I'm being critical of anyone. I guess the point that I'm really making, and this goes back to something we said coming in, Part of the challenge that this team is going to have is you lose some alpha dogs, okay? You lose Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan. You lose some of those guys who you knew were in charge. And what it does is it creates a burden on the other guys who are perfectly good people, perfectly good baseball players. But ultimately, somebody's got to be kind of the guy. And you can see it in high school sports all the time. How many times do you see – You know, one or two seniors who are just kind of that dominant leader, they graduate and all of a sudden the guys who are maybe even more talented aren't as good the next year. 
because they didn't have that one guy. Who do we talk about in basketball time? You kind of have the Brandon Vincent talk. You know, we've always kind of got this one guy who's the glue guy. It just takes some time to find that guy. And so I think what we're seeing a little bit is a manifestation of what we, to some degree, expected to see. But let, let's, let's move past that, and let me ask you this. When I watched that ball game on Friday, I thought Ramirez was really, really good. The guy that no-hit us, really, really good. But then I tried to ask myself, who's he like? How are we going to see like him this year? Yeah, that, that, to me, that's what I thought of. And after I kind of calmed down and, you know, you, you walk around the ballpark, and I think you have two kinds of people right now, and, and very understandable. You have some people who are trying to be, you know, over the top. Man, I can't believe we're terrible in the first two games. Some people are just like that. Some people do it as a stick. And then it seems like we have some people who are kind of over the top. Hey, let's calm down. It's only two games. You know, it's a long season, which is very true. You kind of wonder if Missouri baseball fans are saying the same thing right now, you know. But it's it's different whoever says that. But here's the thing, Charlie. I look at that game after just kind of looking back at it, and I think of, okay, I think of Matt Corder yesterday outside of Ramirez. Jack Noble was pitching. But it's the same thought, okay. I'm thinking of, say, Oklahoma football, and maybe this is a bad analogy right here, but I'm going to go with it. And you see throwing all over the field all day long. Then all of a sudden in the bowl game, you got to play Army. And your defensive guys just get eat up because, man, we ain't seen that. You know what it looked like yesterday when Matt Quarter is at the plate against Jack Noble, who throws him three change-ups? It was almost like, Man, I ain't seen that. He had some defensive swings, and we've had several swings, and I'm not just picking on Matt right here. I'm just I'm picking on a lot of different guys. Yeah, because he had some good swings yesterday. He had some good yeah. swings, yeah. But it's almost like we haven't seen anybody with four-pitch mix with a really good changeup, and it was almost like we've had swings the first two days of, man, uh, what was that? Yeah. Am I wrong on saying that? No, I – I was going back and, and trying to think through our staff, but if you think about kind of the mindset that we've had, what have we said a ton the past couple of years? High spin rate, you know, elevate, can pitch high with the fastball, deceptive because it's a fastball with life, it rides, all these things you want to say. But then you go and you look at Ramirez, and it was the exact opposite of that. And I don't know who on our team kind of fits that mold, and certainly not at the level he does. And then yesterday with Noble, who this guy that came in the middle of the game. Let's go back, though. Let's start the game. Oh, okay. yeah, high-velocity guy. Marquise Johnson, that's what we we're going to see. Him. We hit him, 93, 95. And it was almost like, yeah, we're used to this. But the thing that blew me away about Noble, so Noble comes in, he's throwing the ball in the same spot in the strike zone, back-to-back pitches. The only difference is he's throwing at 90 or he's throwing at 80. And so his changeup was – how many times do we think of like a Houston-Harding changeup? Get it, we're dealing with a left-hander. But the, the idea that it just kind of like runs away a little bit. Austin Sexton. Yeah, his didn't do anything. No, it was, a, it was like a BP. He's like he had, a, he had the real fastball and the BP fastball. Yeah, I'm going to throw a fastball and I'm going to throw a slower fastball. And he kept that 10-mile-an-hour spread between the two. And we were guessing. And when you get guys in that spot, it's tough. It really is. And, hey, uh, go back even further. I think we start the weekend 
with Landon Sims. We talk about Ramirez. Landon was very good, man. I would not have thought he would have gone as deep as he did. But, hey, the pitch count was there. I mean, it's all about pitch count. It's not about the, the you know, whether you go six innings or seven innings. It's about how many pitches you throw. And so he got to the seventh inning, and you could tell on the gun he had come down from 95 to about 91. And Moeller, who's a freshman, just runs into one. Got a fastball, and he popped it out of the yard. And that was almost like it popped a balloon a little bit. And then, you know, Brandon, I mean, Landon comes out. He's going to be done anyway. It doesn't matter if he gets Moeller out. He's done. That's the seventh inning. He's done. He's hit his pitch count. But it goes back to the point. They had, after Ramirez, they had Devro Harrison in the bullpen. They had a good bridge guy, too. They were just good on the mound on Friday. And we're going to see good on the mound on Friday every single weekend this year. Maybe a couple of these preseason weekends you may not see it. But they're going to be different styles of good. Isn't it like now basically every Friday guy in the SEC is effectively the same guy? It's just a question of degree. Yeah. But you're not going to see a guy throwing sinker balls the way the way you saw the other day. What you're going to see are power arms. We, we You did not see a power arm at all in Ramirez. I mean, he only struck out two guys. But we hit 11 ground balls, only get two in the air. It kind of reminds me of 2001, where we go out west to the Super Regional. You got Maniscalco and all those guys, Darren Wright, 2001. And we're playing Cal State Fullerton, Kurt Sarlos. And he starts talking about the sink that Sarlos had. And Sarlos is head coach now at TCU or is he somewhere else at Rice? He's one of the two. They run together with me. They're out of the Dallas area. Anyway, Sarlos, who pitched in the big leagues, that was his mantra, 90 miles an hour with sink. And so many of our guys came back and said, hey, we were not used to seeing that. And so I, th- I think that's a little bit of that too. Um, going back to the point, and, and not to drive it home anymore, it's kind of the factor of what you're going to see when you go on the road this year. To Long Beach State – to Long Beach State, you are the defending national champions. When they send out the tweets this weekend and they're talking about the two games they've won, they have put in there, we have beaten the defending national champions in two games. From our standpoint, it's almost like, hey, this is a new season. And Pat Casey talked about that. And, hey, it's great to have the T-shirt. Last year was a lot of fun. But it's almost like I wouldn't want to mention that at the ballpark at all for the rest of the year if it's me. Because this is a brand new team. It's very similar to after Jake left here and the marketing crew wanted to play, you know, Josie's on a vacation coming out of the box in honor of Jake. But, hey, no, this is a new team. And what did Matthew Maniscalco say last week? This program is bigger than one team, one player. And, uh, hey, last year those guys are going to live in infamy forever because of winning a national championship. But sooner or later you kind of got to let that go and play for this year. Well, pretty good wake-up call, I'd say, through two games so far. Uh, now, look, I don't want to overreact, nor do I want to underreact. I guess the thing is what you want to do is analyze. And you say, okay. I'm not a big believer, by the way, in this idea of, well, we sat around all year and read our press club. That, no, no, that's no. not it. We've gotten beat by a good baseball team. You know, we're not losing to Chaminade here. This is a really good baseball team we're playing. Are they top 25? Absolutely. Are they top 10? Eh, probably not. But it's a top 20 team. Wouldn't you agree? So I mean, far so far by what we have seen 
on the first two days. I think you put Noble Ramirez in there. Not going to be surprised because Noble started a lot of games last year. I'm not going to be surprised to see him in two or three weeks. And maybe this is the role they like him in. It's kind of that old, you know, Chad Gerardo, Ross Mitchell, hey, we're going to throw a starter out there in the first sign of trouble. We're going to bring this guy out of the bullpen. It's all about his comfort level. Well, and how much more effective is he coming in? You go one turn through the order with a guy throwing it 95, and then you get the guy in throwing 80. You know, you, you kind of mix up the styles there. Saldivar at second base is good. Really he good. is a great-looking freshman. And Mario has been solid to short. Here's the thing that stands out to me about the first two games, Charlie, is a lot of times, especially in a 13-3 game, you sit there and say, okay, we got beat. You think back to Missouri last year. Missouri came in here, beat us two out of three. We didn't look good. And we kind of threw it all over the ballpark. We kicked some balls. We haven't made it. I mean, we made one error. We threw a ball away at first base on a bunt. We threw actually two away, but one of them <laughs> caught, the caught the umpire. Yeah. Whew. Thanks, Eric Gaucher. He's behind the plate today, by the way. And so we haven't thrown it all over the place. We haven't really given Long Beach State anything in the field. Now, the things that stood out to me is the walks. You know, are the walks. Walks. Eight yesterday. Eight yesterday. And it seemed like, and, and you look back to the game on Friday. You've got Connor Burns at the plate who hit, you know, half of my weight last year, less than half of my weight last year. I mean, it, it was it was bad. Guy hadn't had a hit, and what do we what do we do? We walked the guy to lead off the eighth inning. You know, in golf, we talk about can you shoot your age? <laughs> can he hit his weight? Can, can he hit half his weight? And so, I mean, the guy can't. The guy hadn't been able to hit. Great defensive catcher, and then you walk him to lead off the eighth inning. And so then what does he do? He comes back after a wild pitch. He scores on a ground ball. And then all of a sudden, a one nothing game turns into 2 nothing, and it's over. You look back at yesterday, early in the game, it seemed like all the they had three walks, I think, through the first five at-bats. And all three of those guys came around to score. What Long Beach State has, has done this weekend, it's not making you pay for mistakes in the field. They've made you pay for putting them on base on the free pass. Well, they certainly have. The the first guy, I think, that really got out of that trouble was Preston Johnson yesterday. Johnson comes in. He walked a lot of guys for him. Well, no, for anybody. I mean, he walked four. We walked the bases loaded. But he settled down. He didn't give up a run that inning. Yeah, and then ends up striking out nine. Did it surprise you we brought Preston in down 8-3? Yes. We talked about this on the broadcast. And and I know you know there are some baseball guys out there that kind of agree with us, man. What are, you know what are we doing burning that bullet, you know eight to three? But you may ask the question, you know, how hot did he get down in the bullpen? And I don't know if that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if that's a, a driving point. Well, then my question is why? Why did he get that hot? If you're going to go with Tuller there, why isn't he the one getting hot? Well, well, you're going to bring Preston Johnson in a couple batters earlier, and then all of a sudden you look at the lineup and say, hey, they got some lefties, got a lefty at the bottom, and then a lefty at the top. I'm trying to make excuses here, Charlie. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to overthink this. A lot of people overthink things. Let me tell you who doesn't overthink things. Who's that? The fine folks at Strange Brew Coffee House. They did not overthink my blueberry cobbler-flavored coffee this morning. We came into the studio this morning. We're not in remote locations. I'm not down in southern Winston County sitting on the back porch drinking the blueberry cobbler from Strange Brew that I have brewed myself. I let the Brewistas brew it this morning, and it is fantastic. They had a slew of folks in there. Man, I had to wait in line, but it was good. They, they moved us through like cattle pretty quick. 
But, man, it just can't get any better. I'd like to think they showed you more respect than cattle. They always well, – I mean, who's, that's a little – Who's to say that cattle is, is disrespected? What are you trying well, to say there? Okay. All right. I mean – Like fine dairy cattle? Fine dairy cattle. Yeah, it was the, well, they, Kobe beef. Yeah, <laughs> they massage, massage your neck. <laughs> but yeah, Strange Brew, three locations, huh. two here in Startville, one in Tupelo. They, I went to the University Drive. It's the one I normally go to. I don't think anybody knew me this morning. Nobody said Bart when I walked in the door. I've kind of come become, you know, a little Persona less non grata. Exactly. You went to the original Gangster location, Spring Street and Highway Twelve. Their cups look very similar. Even though you've got a medium this morning, I got a large. I need a lot more. Uh, yeah, no, we got this, no. I got I got a bigger cup than you do. I'm gonna have to take that up with somebody. Ah, did you ask for a large? Yeah. Well, maybe they do have different cups at the different locations. All right, Strange Brew Coffee House, StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. If you want to order some of that great coffee and brew it yourself at home, and so got some great mugs and things of that nature. All right, Charlie, let's look to to, to today, Game Three. And we talked about on our deep dig, our tracks plus deep dig, about how we may come in here on Sunday and say, man, we need to win a game today. Well, we need to win we a game to win today. A game today. Yeah, boy, we do. Um, you've got a guy going on the mound for Long Beach, whose first, first outing, first college outing will be today. And, and he's going to be a fastball mid-90s guy, power arm. Didn't pitch last year because, and we talked about him in our deep dig, on, uh, that was actually on Thursday when we talked about Jerron Watts-Brown. who uh, is a classic dirtbag. This yep. guy that played football, basketball, baseball in high school. Actually got hurt. The reason he didn't pitch last year, he got hurt playing football. He was the player of the year down in the Valley and uh, in football, co-player of the year in basketball. I mean, this is a guy who I means a gamer. He'll, he'll bring some fire to him. Now what you wonder is, he's still a kid, still a freshman. Is is it a little tougher getting out there? It's probably a lot easier getting out there knowing you've already won the series than going out there and all of a sudden you're the one trying to salvage a win. Uh, but for Mississippi State, you got a guy going who's uh, young too. I mean, you got a lot of reasons to like Cade Smith, but much like Casey Hunt, we just didn't see him a ton last year. Great stuff, really good stuff. Here's what I'll say about the day is what do you always see in game threes of series? It always comes down to the bullpen, usually in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. Is what after after what I saw Friday night and Friday afternoon and what we have talked about Long Beach State before this weekend, you better have a lead in the eighth inning. Let me tell you something. Devro Harrison coming out, show enough. Yeah, and he, he can go again today. This is a guy who's able to He didn't throw many pitches times. Friday. No, yeah. and, and he's a guy that can he's shown that he can pitch twice on a weekend. Do you expect to see any kind of changes in the lineup today? Yes. And the reason I say that, we came to the ballpark yesterday, and, and this is where baseball is, is just so different. I mean, after the game on Friday, you know, we had it shoved. We had just one hit against, you know, some really good pitchers. And then yesterday we get to the ballpark. We have a new center fielder in the lineup, Matt Corder, who I think you're going to see a lot of. You know, Cumbus had a really bad night on Friday or afternoon on Friday. Went over three, three strikeouts. There were some people says, "Hey, you know, maybe we need to make some changes in center field and left field." And then Cumbus comes out yesterday and gets three hits. I mean, that's that's the way this game works. Well, and then you look at it. You know, two of those are balls that don't leave the infield, and but they're three hits, and all of a sudden he wakes up today a five hundred hitter. 
And so that's the crazy thing about baseball, particularly early. Sometimes it's not about how hard you hit it, but where. And sometimes it just falls in the way you need it to. Saldivar, for them, take that. You know, his first couple of hits weren't exactly rocket shots. They were just some balls that either squirted through or found a spot between guys trying to go catch a pop-up. But all of a sudden, he gets a couple of hits, and he's playing like a guy with confidence. At the DEFCON levels, where are you? One's the worst, right? Isn't DEFCON one the worst? I think five is the worst, right? I don't know. I thought it worked in descending order. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm at a three regardless. I'm kind of in the middle anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm I'm kind of medium. I'm in the yellow right now. No, you're right. DEFCON one is the worst. Yeah, I told you. See, it's amazing. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not ready to push a panic button yet. And here's the thing I know, and it was so funny. You know, I look at these these Facebook groups pages now. You know, I, well, I really don't look at them a whole lot, but I look at them every now and then. And you know, the, the first comment I saw last night is, "Man, we need to make some adjustments." Really, the heck you say? <laughs> now, <laughs> now the thing you do know is is this is a coaching staff that's not going to roll out the same lineup the first. 20 games of the season and say and then try to make decisions i think you're you're not, you're not going to see a, any panic buttons pushed here early on i'll tell you one thing i did we've talked a little bit about travel ball over the years and i had a team that i coached and we had basically the same group of kids together for seven eight years and you know what i started doing when they turned 11 i gave them the lineup book and i said you guys make it out like i had them more times than not make out the lineup themselves and the point of that was, you guys figure it out. And it's amazing how much if they lost, if they lost a game, every single one of them was, we got to do something different. Even 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds had in their mindset, we got to do something different. And so sometimes I think in baseball, you just do something different. You know, you're not changing your left tackle and left guard because you lost a football game. But in baseball, the beauty of it is you can switch up the order. You can do some things different. And guys who've played a ton of baseball, it's not nearly the emotional shock to be moved from two to five in the lineup or to be dropped from one to six that sometimes we like to think. Did you ever take the book back? Did you ever say, you guys are terrible? I'm a, this is a dictatorship now. This is not a democracy. No. In fact, the older they got, the, the, the less I cared, particularly when they were you know 13 and 14. I just throw in the book and leave, so y'all figure it out. Sounds like you're a guy with a lot of great players. No, we just knew who we were, Bart. <laughs> we understood our system. <laughs> and so, if you if you come into today, hey, Ron Polk did that, did he not? Well, he didn't let them make out the lineup, but they did a rating system. So everybody on the team rated the every pitcher, rated every hitter, and it was amazing how things would shake out. Now, sometimes you would see the players and the coaches have different views on where people should fall. Yeah. And I think that's kind of instructive to the coaches, right? Absolutely. Um, All right, so here's my question to you. What change do you make today? Do you change the order? Do you change the spot? What do you do differently? You know, last year we had the same situation at the top of the order at times because Rowdy was always so slow getting going at the top of the order. You know, we dropped him down at one time. We brought the Brule at the top. And I think that hitting in the leadoff spot is so very tough, especially if, if you haven't done it, you know, here before. And to me, you know, that's one of the things you started looking back at, 
at you know past few seasons, you said, okay, if we can find, if we can get through the bottom of the order, you know what you got at the top. I don't know who you who you put in the leadoff role, other than R.J. Yeager. He's still looking for that first hit, and it may be a situation too of, you know, it's like, almost like us winning national championships. You win the first one, then you may win a bunch of them. He gets that first hit, he may get a bunch of them, and so you're just not getting a whole lot of. So table set you, at the top of the order. Right, so let me give you a hypothetical. What if R.J. Yeager has the same adjustment period that Scotty DeBrule did? I think DeBrule came in kind of known as just a, a guy that got on base, a guy who put it in play. I mean, DeBrule was basically a 400 hitter in his league, comes here, and although he was very valuable for us in the end, he struggled early. Fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. What if Jaeger goes through that? Then the question becomes, how long do you wait? Now, you can't over – again, it's two games. Yeah, it's two but, games. But why not – I guess my point is, why not do something different for the sake of doing something different? And one of the things you talk about is, all right, how do you keep guys on your bench engaged? You know, is today the day, for example? I'll tell you what I would do. If I were managing this team, today I would have Slate Offer playing third base and I'd have Cameron James in center field. You've practiced that way in the fall. It, that's not a knock on anybody who's played center. But, hey, why not get the guy in the lineup, see what he can do? What are you giving up? Well, he, he hit last yesterday. He got his first at bat yesterday. Hit a ball well in the left center field. So there are some moves to be made. Now, I guess you know, the flip side of that is, is today the day that you kind of had your idea over the last couple of weeks of who you go with. And I stick with that today just to show – these guys have, hey, this is kind of how we've played into this point over the last month. You've earned your spot this first weekend. If we're going to make any changes like that, do you do it Tuesday night against Pine Bluff? No, I do it right now, and I'll tell you why. Because if what we're trying to do is send the message that it's a new team in a new year, basically what I'm saying is nobody's earned a dang thing. You hadn't earned it through seven spring scrimmages. Am I wrong? No, you're not. Yeah. So, but here then becomes the big question. Regardless of what order you hit in, somebody's got to get on base. Then the question for me becomes pitching staff, and it goes back to the question you asked earlier about Preston Johnson and using him yesterday. Ultimately today, uh, here's what got us beat yesterday. I mean, look, they hit some balls hard. You can't walk eight guys because this team makes you pay for putting them on base. You can't throw wild pitches because every time it seems like a guy's moved up the bases with a wild pitch. Here comes a single. Yeah, and then he scores where you would have moved him maybe to third if not to second. So then the question becomes, where do you go today after Cade Smith? Because I think if, if we were just sitting here, if we were making the Vegas odds, Cade Smith's done after four innings today. Might he go longer? Sure, you mean you hope so. But there's no real reason to expect him to be significantly different than Casey Hunt, is there? But what have we said about this team ad nauseum is the depth of the pitching staff. And so – then, then my question is, all right, we're, what does that mean and what do we see? Uh, that, exactly. Is I it mean, Brandon Smith? I mean, who who do you see in that mix? You'd you know, think you'd see Fristo. Fristo, probably. You'd think you'd see Brandon Smith. Do you see a Pico Cone? But it's really tough. You know, that's a guy I think they kind of had some hopes of maybe getting out there, having a left-handed arm. But, boy, it's, it kind of changes the analysis of it. Does Isn't today the day that you want to put guys out on the mound who've been there? Yeah, you do. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the, you know, in the, in the 
Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Tracks Plus, four locations. Tracks Plus, you've got the original location in Hickory, and then you've got the location between here and Columbus, here in Columbus on Highway 82. And then you've got Summit, Mississippi, and Alexandria, Louisiana. Tracks Plus, great customer service. You've got the Daniel Bounds, Fred Fulton, Grace Howell, Hoop Weems. Man, all those guys do a great job with uh, the customer service and the sales. Barco equipment, they sell it at all the locations just for the Forester. If you want to go in and clear out a bunch of trees and woods and things of that nature, if you need some sandy equipment to use it for the excavators, Massey Ferguson now, they're selling some tractors and Massey Ferguson equipment at three of the locations, not in Starkville or Columbus, but the other three in Summit, Hickory, and Alexandria. So Trax Plus, we had all that on our Trax Plus deep dig on Thursday talking about this. And so, Charlie, you go back to pitching today, and the whole thing is like you just talked about a moment ago, throwing strikes. Some of the guys that we're going to expect to pitch today, that was the issue at times last year, was throwing strikes, falling behind. And so you're going to see some – if you've had some development today, and we talked about that last week too, about some guys are different, completely different than they should be, different from one year to the next. I think we're going to see – what kind of growth we've had out of some pitchers today about getting ahead in counts. Yeah, it will be probably a worthwhile exercise in a couple of weeks to sit here and say, all right, where have we seen the growth? Uh, Because in some cases, what you've seen is kind of similar to what you've seen. Ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Brandon Smith today because Brandon, when he gets beat, he tends to get hit. Wouldn't you say? He tends to get hit more than he walks, guys. Yeah, he, he does. And hey, and like we said on you know on the tracks plus deep dig, and this is another point I wanted to make. You know, we talked about how you're not going to hold any bullets. This is not a situation where you say, "Hey, we got Brandon Smith, but we're going to hold him for Tuesday night." Oh no, 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 no. We're we're going to throw guys that give you a best chance to win today. And going back to the point on Brandon Smith, to finish the point, the the issue with Brandon Smith last year to me was getting the ball up in the zone and getting hit. It was kind of a command issue, getting into the hit zone. It's not that he tends to go out and beat himself. The other team would tend to beat him. But this is year two back from Tommy John. This is the year that you expect guys, when you talk about development, there is a real leap forward. You can see it in the major leagues. Guys come back and they're okay, but that second year back, they're really good. And so you hope that's what you're going to see out of him. One thing we haven't talked about is today the weather is going to be different. It's going to be warmer today than it was yesterday. I thought yesterday was really good, man. It was a great baseball day if you were in the sun. All right, if you were in the shade, had to have a jacket. Today's going to be a little bit warmer, but the difference today than the first two days, the wind is going to shift out of the south-southeast. It's going to be more out to left or right field foul pole to left field foul pole today. So it's going to be more of a hitter's ballpark to left field. Now, we saw some, a couple home runs yesterday. We saw one you know, pulled to right field in the game on Friday, and then yesterday Long went the other way to right field. So we have yet to hit a home run. Today may be that day. Well, I'd certainly hope so. Cumbus ball that went off the base of the wall yesterday on a warmer day may threaten to get out. Probably would have gone out today. Yeah, so we'll see. Right now, I just want to see some hard-hit balls. <laughs> yeah, that's. But I go back, what's the reason to be hopeful? If the scouting reports are true, and again, it's not just that we haven't seen this guy who's going for them. Nobody has. He hasn't pitched in college yet. The question is – 
if the scouting report is to be believed, he's more of a traditional pitcher in the sense of a traditional SEC kind of guy, right? Guy that goes hard fastball, slider, that kind of thing. We saw that we had success early yesterday against Marquise Johnson. Are you going to have success against this guy because he's more like what you're used to? That's that's kind of my hope today. I don't want a Ross Mitchell up there throwing at me. <laughs> no. Can you imagine what Ross Mitchell <laughs> would do to this team? I saw Ross yesterday. Yeah. Hey, it was great to have some of those former guys at the ballpark. Of course, a lockout going on right now. And so Brandon Woodruff and Hunter Renfro and I saw Foss Q yesterday and Brent Rooker, several of Christian McLeod was back. Several of those guys were back yesterday. Ross was back in there. And anyway, it was good to see a lot of those guys. Here's what I want to see today, Charlie. And I, I don't want to, you know, overstate this in any way. And I go back to the original point of I don't want a bench clearing brawl at all. There's going to be a many a time this year where we sit here on Sunday coffee saying today's a big game. There's going to be a lot of times. And how many times do we see it, whether you're trying to win two out of three in a big series or trying to salvage a game or maybe going for a sweep, say, against Missouri. When you say game three, hey, this is a big game today. I want to see, I want to see how we respond today in what is a big game. This is not a must win. I mean, I'm not saying if we get swept, the season's over. But I think today's a big game. I think it's a big game for us from a mental standpoint, and I want to see how we react early today. And it's a huge game if you were to kind of put on the hat of the visiting team. Huge game for them. You know, they're going to throw everything they got at this thing because if they can go home with a sweep, all of a sudden they're going to rocket up the top 25 rankings. So I think it's a big game. Now, we're not alone. East Carolina's gotten beat twice by Bryant. I don't even know where Bryant is. So crazy things happen. But today, I, no, it's not a must win. But as I sit here, it will certainly improve my attitude if you get a win today. Hey, a lot of folks are picking Arkansas to win the national championship, picking Arkansas to be one of the top teams, and they are. They got beat on opening day against Illinois State. So, I mean, that's the thing about this game. Now, is it okay to lose? Are we sitting there just saying, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it? I mean, no. I mean, sometimes one team won, one team lost. We lost. It's not good. So today's the day that, hey, I just kind of want to see what our mindset is like. And I'll tell you who always has a, a winning mindset, and that's our great friends. Good job. Yeah, I like that. At Bank First. Bank First. Locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. They're a growing bank. Mortgage, refinancing, commercial lending, construction loans, anything you need, bank first. Just great people, great customer service. And so through locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama, just a growing bank and really good folks. All right, Charlie. Hey, we got this afternoon. One o'clock start local time. Should be a nice afternoon of baseball. It's supposed to rain a lot this coming week, so you kind of wonder what that's going to do as far as the schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, we'll have a show. You know what? You make a good point, by the way. You know, right now, if you look at Tuesday in Star Wars, here's what we've got. Monday, 98% chance of rain. Tuesday, 89% chance of thunderstorms. And on Wednesday, 66%. So then you ask yourself, do you really want to sit here for a whole week having been swept? That's why today's even more important, right? Yep, it is. See you all at the ballpark, 1 o'clock. Hey, Charlie and I will do a show 
uh, later tonight, drop it uh, first thing tomorrow morning. It'll be the uh, Southeastern Baseball Review. We'll talk about games, not just Mississippi State-specific, but games going on around the Southeast and the weekends and how everybody kind of shook out with that, a new show for you. We'll be back in the midweek. We had two great interviews this past week in our regular show in the midweek with Jim Ellis, the voice of the Bulldogs. We kind of broke down coming into this season and had Jim's look back at the national championship. We had Paul Gillier on, the SEC coordinator of umpires. And so we've had some really good interviews. Pat Casey a couple of weeks ago with Oregon State, Matthew Maniscalco. So we'll be back on Wednesday night as well with that show, a couple of interviews for you, and then we'll start the week all over. But anyway, before all that's said and done, big game today, 1 o'clock, Mississippi State and Long Beach State. Appreciate our fine sponsors. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. Go with the home team. Tracks Plus, Barco Equipment, for the Forester, Saney equipment for the dirt movers, and, of course, that great new Massey Ferguson, Massey Ferguson line. Well, it's not new Massey Ferguson. They've been around forever, but they're selling it now at Tracks Plus and all the locations except for the one here between Columbus and Startville. Bank first, better way to bank, growing location, and once again, Strange Brew Coffee House bringing you our Sunday coffee, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. For all the things that they have, that great blueberry cobbler flavor coffee, brew it yourself. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Sunday Coffee.